Welcome to the Talent Talk with Robert Walters podcast, where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work. Welcome to another one of our Talent Talks with Robert Walters podcast. This is episode three of a four-part series around the return to office and its effects on well-being and mental health with Chris Pinner from InnerFit. Today, we will dive a bit deeper into the mentalities of leaders, what we are seeing, the challenges they are facing, and any potential solutions to these challenges. Morning, Chris. How are you again? Hello, Steve. Very well. You? Yeah, really well, thank you. Not too bad at all. Um, Chris, after I've been reaching out to a few clients, um, what I'll say is that I think the views I've been getting are quite polarizing from, say, I speak to candidates on a day-to-day basis who quite like the idea of sort of hybrid working whereas a lot of these leaders I'm speaking to from sort of FTSE listed natural natural resources companies they seem to have a very positive um very positive outlook on returning to the office they feel like it kind of encourages that element of collaboration when going back to the office um and there's also elements of uh, with HR as well, sort of uh, where emails are getting misinterpreted whilst they're doing remote working and finding that it's um, causing a few more issues by being remote working and being in the office. So it'd be interesting to get your perspective on leaders from companies you're working with and the sort of challenges potentially they're facing and kind of any routes that they're taking to kind of help this, I suppose. Yeah, 100%. And I think... <clears throat> Seeing a difference, I'd agree with uh, what it sounds like you're hearing. There's there's some people who obviously love the idea of staying remote completely. There's others who really want to and need to get back in the office. Uh, so if I think about what we've seen from a leader perspective, um, thinking about an HR business partner at the moment, about a marketing company, and they did a, a six-month pilot to see whether remote first and a four-day work week could work for the business. And I think they're just getting the results in now. And it sounds like, surprise, surprise, no one has voted against the four-day work week. Um, but the challenge with that, and HR business partner was explaining to us, like, not really sure if, if you're seeing what's underneath the surface on those results, because anyone's going to be reluctant to have an extra day at work, depending on like, how much you love your job. Um, so it's, it's, it's nuanced, I think, would be the initial thoughts that come to my mind, Steve. Does the um, the thought of a four-day working week, I think the first thing that springs to my mind about a four-day working week is great. The second thing that springs to my mind is I need to fit all of my work into a four-day working week. And does that mean that I'm just going to be spending longer hours on those four days and potentially increasing the chance of burnout, I suppose, on those four days rather than just spreading it across a five-day week? And that's exactly it. And that's exactly the hunch that um, this person's got. And especially if you tie into that, the whole remote working piece, I think uh, there are some tasks which obviously more productive to just do at home. Like if you want to put your headphones in, you've got a report to write, you need to get into that flow state and you don't actually need any collaboration to make it happen. Absolutely fine. The other end of the spectrum you will need to come up with creative ideas. You need to brainstorm. You need a whiteboard. Like, yes, the Microsoft Teams whiteboard function is great, but ultimately there's something special about being able to move post-its around a, a, a wall. So I think if, as a leader um, in the type of thing we're hearing is like still big question marks on how to bridge that gap. And I think that 
whether you're a millennial just looking for that team connection or actually you're a leader and in six months time you're wondering are we still going to be functioning at this point because what we've done so far is increase the number of hours we've worked to our previous conversation um, you're probably wondering like how are you going to bridge that gap so I think what we're seeing practically is people hedging their bets a little bit and going more towards a two to three days in the office over the coming six months or so and probably just going to track the results that they get but I mean same, same question back at you in terms of the the average that you're seeing and maybe the range in terms of days in the office. I will echo your sentiments again on that. I think the majority of people that I have spoken to, um, especially sort of the clients that we work with, are they're looking at a 60% kind of um, return, return to the office. Part of me thinks that it's a follow the herd mentality. Of that's what other people are doing, so that maybe that's what I should do. Um, we have I have spoken to other clients um, who, again, sort of um, a big oil and gas company who want their who want their employees to be back in the office sort of five days a week because they feel like having them back will increase those elements of collaboration they feel like performance will be better by having everyone back in the office i wonder whether it's to do with the the leader's mentality and whether they're from a older school of thought where they feel like everyone should be back in the office and they can't necessarily do their do their work from home um and so, sometimes i feel like the more modern industries are sort of moving towards that hybrid working scenario whereas some of the um the more sort of i suppose old school industries are happy to sort of try and get everyone back in the office whether it's down to trust whether it's just down to that leader's mentality i don't know um but ultimately i think it's it's going to have to see those leaders sort of going to an hr function going to a head of hr head of well-being and and getting their perspective on it yeah trust's an interesting word i'll pick up on that i think as well as the idea around age and and just type of company as well and just age being part of type of company i think the four-day work week one we were mentioning is definitely young i think their average age was below 30 um fashion company we're working with average age again below 30 i know that their customer care team has gone completely remote so this this kind of fresh way of thinking culturally like do we have what it takes to make this possible and i think trust is a big part of that um, and having the right remote working policy and guidelines is play in place is important but then that comes back to the leadership piece around trust and i think it's okay to have a loose remote working policy if you have some accountability in there as well um, across teams because i think unless you have the accountability and the trust to go and make it happen you're going to be struggling to really have a common common approach um, and what, what i mean by that is in the absence of accountability for example if you want to have zoom free fridays once a month and that's your remote working policy that's the extent of it but senior leaders are booking in meetings on Fridays regularly and there's no accountability and no problem or no actual consequence for doing that, the whole thing becomes lost and, and people lose faith and people lose trust in, in the business. So that was what I was thinking on that point. And again, it's down to the individual culture of the business, I think, on that one. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'd quite like to kind of touch upon something that you briefly mentioned in the last episode about leaders and the necessity to try and retain talent, which obviously from my perspective, I speak to leaders a, a lot about A, retaining talent, B, attracting talent. And candidates I speak to a lot of the time, it's going to be a case of the first question they ask is, what's their hybrid working policy? Am I going to have to be back in the office? Now, I have to brief clients now, is that what that is what people are asking? Um, I suppose it's now being seen as, I suppose 18 months ago, it would have been a benefit to be able to work from home one or two days a week. Now, candidates are seeing it as a it's a necessity. It's it's not something, it's not a bargaining chip anymore. Um, and I don't know whether you, you have sort of those open conversations with your clients about sort of how they can retain that talent. Definitely. Um, I think like the talent retention and recruitment piece is one of the more quantitative ways of getting at the value of well-being and culture, isn't it? I think uh, teamwork is another one like team connection and talking about the value of the culture. In, in a conversation with a candidate or existing employee. Um, and the level of absence and presenteeism as well, I think is, a, is, is not something you can necessarily get in the candidate experience and recruitment experience, but just coming to mind as I'm thinking about the quantitative side of, of the business and the value of wellbeing. But to loop back to the talent question, one company we're working with did say they're hearing rumblings that people were looking to leave they hadn't quite nailed this remote working piece and people were on the verge of burnout um, and we've also on the other more positive side of things heard clients speaking about we definitely put well-being at the front and center of our recruitment process uh, especially for the younger the younger audience i think what we've seen is social media posts like talking about it on linkedin all of the well-being days that people do step challenges um, and i think that's playing a more prominent part in why companies are doing well-being. Yes, obviously, it's a good thing to do and they, they think it's important, but ultimately it has a business uh, benefit as well. And including it in the onboarding process as well, uh, talking about, okay, well, these are the health and well-being streams. This is the diversity and inclusion group. Uh, if you want to get involved, you can email healthandwellbeing at companyname.com. All of that type of stuff, I think, contributes to really engaging and retaining a new candidate at the start of their journey, which I'm sure, well, you know better than me, is, is very important. 100%. And I think uh, the word that springs to mind is kind of like evolution, because I think um, at the start of um, at the start of the pandemic, when everyone went remote, um, it was quite clear that we were seeing a lot more. Whilst there was job uncertainty, there were actually quite a lot of candidates coming onto the market because of the way that companies were dealing with this and because they hadn't necessarily put well-being mental health um onto their onto their radar realistically um and the how far we've come in 18 months is um is quite impressive realistically but i'm sure we'll go into that a bit further in episode four uh, as episode three comes to the close um but do join us next week when we'll have a bit more focus on employees and we'll be bringing together some conclusions from these uh these last few episodes that we've been doing thanks again for your time chris thanks, Steve.